What's up, Farmers? Welcome to the Farm Athletic Company podcast. I am your host, Andrea Warner. I am also the co-owner and co-founder of Farm Athletic Company. If you would like more information on us, please visit our website at www.farmathleticco.com. And now, on to today's show. What's up, Farmers? Welcome to this week's episode of the Farm Athletic Company podcast. This week, I would like to take the opportunity to talk to everyone about stress, what it does to the body, how that we can help be aware of it, manage it, maybe live with it, but the more that we can be aware, the better that we will be at handling it. We'll also start to talk about um, signs and symptoms of things like chronic stress and how that really affects our long-term health. So recently, post-pandemic, we've been talking a lot about stress and how it affects the body in ways that are things like we're always turned on, for example. We're always connected to our phones. We're always working. We're always connected to computers. We're replying to emails, text messages. We're always on social media. And social media in and of itself can cause stress in ways that we don't even really realize. Because as we're flipping through social media, we're looking at this perfect world, which really doesn't exist. And if you think about the world pre-social media, you know, we all had things that we were dealing with. But nobody walked around constantly with this view of a perfect family and look how amazing we are and we're always doing this and look at all of my amazing accomplishments and nothing's ever wrong. Like, things were real. You saw people in arguments. You saw people having bad days. You saw people struggling with work. You saw people fall and break their arm, whatever it was. It wasn't this social media world of, we only have good days. We only have perfect families. We only have perfect pictures now due to filters. There is this unbelievable subconscious stress that happens when we sit and scroll social media for hours, comparing ourselves to others. And my house doesn't look like that. My family doesn't look like that. My workouts don't look like that. My body doesn't look like that. And then pretty soon you're in this like, oh my God, What do I need to do to be better? Or it leaves you in a horrible self-loathing sense of, well, this doesn't ever get better and I'm just stuck where I am. So the more that we can be aware of our time on social media, the more that we can be aware of our time that we are connected instead of being present, the more that we can be aware of how we can better manage our stress. Now, For those of us that are in the fitness world and in the gym industry, we're constantly hearing things like, I need really hard workouts in order to relieve my stress. I need X, Y, and Z in order to relieve my stress. So let's talk about the types of stress. Let's talk about the types of workouts that can go along to help relieve that stress. And let's talk about any of the misdisbeliefs along the way. So your common 
type of stress that we experience on an everyday basis, what we would call acute stress. I did some researching and came across this amazing woman, Dr. Shauna Freshwater. She's a PhD in, she's a PhD clinical psychologist, neuropsychologist, and holistic practitioner. Her evaluation of stress is spot on. And the first one she talks about this acute stress is the most common. Acute stress is brief. It's stuff that we deal with on a daily basis. It can be things like an argument, negative thoughts about that argument. It can be stress about an upcoming work deadline, things like pressure, anything you experience that has a brief negative response in your life. It can be caused by reactive thinking. Like something happens, oh my gosh, this person's going to be mad at me. I'm going to lose my job. There's that moment of pressure that we all feel. This is acute stress. This can cause symptoms throughout the brain, the body, and your emotions. Very brief things that you can usually handle that are usually somewhat fleeting for that period of time. It can be anger, anxiety, headaches, muscle tension. In a little bit more stressful situations, it can lead to stomach, gut, and bowel problems. Those times when you experience like that, holy crap, I'm super angry, this was a really bad situation, it can cause increased blood pressure. An elevation in pulse. It can lead to heart palpitations, chest pain, migraines, sleep problems, you name it. This, and this is just the small stuff, the small acute stress that we deal with in our daily lives on an everyday basis that comes, that comes at us that we can't really control. But look at the things that it can do to our bodies in such a really short, brief period of time. I mean, something that has the ability to cause you chest pains, problems sleeping, heart palpitations. I mean, that's pretty major for something that is so small. Ways that usually we handle this, usually once either the deadline passes or we handle the argument, usually the symptoms of whatever we're dealing with go away. So for example, if you have that really stressful test coming up, and it's causing your stomach to be really upset and you really don't feel like eating, usually as soon as you take the test, your appetite comes back. Short, fleeting, awareness, and we're back to normal, right? Sometimes working out can handle that, depending on the workout. You can go for a walk, you can go to the gym, you can lift some weights. However, usually for this kind of stuff, until it's dealt with, the workout isn't really going to fix the problem. It can temporarily help relieve some of the stress, but as soon as you start thinking about it again, or as soon as you remember that, oh, the deadline for that work thing is on Tuesday, usually the stress creeps back in. Exercise is a good way of helping you to manage and get through that stress until that deadline or until that hard conversation happens. Your next kind of stress is what they call episodic acute stress. This is more frequently experienced acute stress, meaning 
the people that experience this, they have somewhat of a life of chaos. It's like that person that you always talk to that's always like going a million miles an hour and they always seem to have a million things going on at one time. That is what we would call episodic acute stress. So take the person who has the deadline on Tuesday at work. Now add 17 other deadlines. Their kids have to go here, here, and here. They need to get this, this, and this done. They also need to make time for spouses, whatever, and it just seems like everything is just so all over the place and out of control. That is episodic acute stress. And there are two types of people that are the most exposed to this type of stress. People with type A personalities, and then your person who seems to be the worrier. When I say the worrier, these are the people that are constantly worried about everything in a negative way. They're more anxious. They have more tendencies towards depression. The worrier is always thinking the worst thing is going to happen. If I do this, then this. If these people do this, then this. So on and so forth. It's a constant battle and it's always the worst of the worst. Type A personalities are people who um, best described as a type A would be someone who has OCD, like everything has to be a certain way, done at a certain time. These people are more impatient than others. Everything is very abrupt. They're very aggressive. They're easily to anger, especially when their routine gets out of whack. You put something back in the wrong place that they don't feel belongs there. Everything has to be done in a certain way. This is a type of stress, just having that sort of over-aggressive order and structure in their life leads to a lot of this stress. This type of stress can lead to all of the same symptoms that I mentioned before with your acute stress. Anger, anxiety, headaches, muscle tension, stomach, bowel problems, increased blood pressure, elevated pulse, heart palpitations, chest pain, migraines, sleep disorders. But it can also lead to further deeper ongoing damage. Emotional distress, cognitive distress, meaning you have a hard time, you have a hard time focusing, you have a hard time thinking clearly, you have a hard time making decisions, cognitive distress. Your interpersonal relationships deteriorate, meaning like the people that you go to work with, the people that you talk to, it's just, it's too much. You can't handle it. And those relationships start to break down. The big one with this one, this is where you start to see your immune system start to become compromised. So the more stress and the more worry that comes into your life, it actually affects your immune system. And it lowers your immune system to the point of, you almost feel like you're always sick. You always have sinus infections or bronchitis and you feel like everything is always coming at you, so to speak. 
when you have a level of stress, it affects your immune system. When you start talking about working out, the type of working out that you would need to do to actually help with this is going to be a lower level type of working out. Um, yoga, walking, anything that also can feel like a more meditative type of working out. Going to the gym and feeling like you need that super high elevated heart rate with the super heavy weight lifting that can lead to, especially if you already have a compromised immune system, that doesn't help strengthen your immune system to break your body down even further. You need things that your body can recover from. I mean, the reason why we work out is to give our body the opportunity to recover. And if your stress level in your life isn't helping you to recover, beating it into the ground even further isn't helping you recover either. You want workouts that are going to help you manage this stress. They're going to help you mentally to clear your mind, feel like you can get your things in order, maybe calm down and lower that stress level without feeling even more stressed and anxious. This type of stress might be something that requires actually some more professional help and can take months to get over because for this one, now we're starting to talk about an area of life where personality and lifestyle starts to come into play. A lot of times people with this type of personality, either type A or the worrier, has a tendency to blame others for a lot of their stress or, you know, well, this isn't helping or you're not helping um, when actually people are trying to help. You're making this feel worse. Sometimes we need help getting out of our own way. I am very much one of those people. Um, our staff has really helped me with getting out of my own way and being able to delegate better. And that is taken, that is not something that's happened for me personally overnight. That has taken a long time. It's taken a lot of conversations. It's taken a lot of awareness for me. It's taken a lot of practice for me to trust somebody else to be able to help me with things. It's very much intertwined with my personality. And it's taken me a very long time to get to the point to where now I can say, yep, you've got that. You can handle it. And I trust that you can take care of that. I fall into this category. I know it. I'm aware of it. Um, there are parts of this that I do experience myself. The heart palpitations is a big one. Um, when I get really stressed out and I start putting too many things on my plate, I have heart palpitations that kick in along with the sleep problems. The thought process in the middle of the night is like a million miles an hour. And until I address it and write it down, sit down with somebody and go over what's going on, come up with a plan and simplify all of the things that I have put onto my plate myself, I feel all of those symptoms that I just mentioned above, especially 
the heart palpitations and the sleep problems um, and the stomach and gut issues as well. Um, I have a very sensitive stomach whenever I get stressed out and it leads to stomach pain. So I know that these are, these are things that I need to address and be aware of on a day-to-day basis so that I don't creep back into a negative, a negative health pattern with this episodic acute stress. I also know that during those times, for me, really hard workouts, once again, aren't solving the problem. I think I made a social media post back in January when we were moving that it actually got to the point to where I didn't work out for a month because my body couldn't handle it. Between moving our gym, getting things laid out how we wanted it, dealing with contractors, still trying to operate a business, the the stress of all of that was so bad that my way of dealing with it needed to be something more like meditation, journaling, breath work, Working out was not the answer for me at that time, and I was very aware of that. And I knew that I would get back into it once that stress level changed and once we got into a routine. But the stress was very much affecting everything else in my daily life that I needed a different outlet for it besides hard workouts. If we move to the very last, the third form of stress that Dr. Freshwater talks about, it's chronic stress and this is something that you're actually going to find more common today than maybe it was in the 60s or maybe it was just different maybe they did have severely chronic stress back then and it just looked different today's chronic stress comes from a lot of that social media world that I talked about it comes from this unrealistic work life that we have of working a million hours a week with no outside of work life balance. This stress is by far the most harmful. And if left untreated, it can cause irreversible physical and mental damage. A lot of this stress comes from things like abuse in any form, whether it's physical, mental, verbal, any kind of abuse, long-term unemployment, substance abuse, dysfunctional family, poor work environment, unhappy marriage, the things that you see people have chronically in their daily life all the time that doesn't go away, that isn't dealt with, this causes chronic stress. This can also be a stress that we've carried with us for a really long time that's been caused by trauma. A traumatic experience that happened to you 15 years ago can subconsciously be carried with you for a really long time. This leads to feelings of hopelessness. Um, You give up on seeking solutions because you feel like it is what it is. You've had it for so long. It's now a part of who you are. It's a part of your daily life. You're just going to have it for forever. This one is 
the one that needs the most help in multiple ways. And this one, this one's hard to talk about because it's so, it can be so traumatic for a lot of people. And it can be something that is really hard for people to discuss and move on to and get over. It causes behavioral actions. It causes emotional reactions, but they become ingrained. So for example, that traumatic experience that you had with a dog when you were 12 can lead to those same feelings at 47 that you had when you were 12. Anytime that you see a dog. This can be that unhappy marriage that you've been in for forever. that you're just not quite sure how to handle. You almost feel like you're stuck, you're stuck in a box. That's when reaching out for help is your best bet. It's not easy. And it's very humbling. But if un, if unaddressed, you still get all of the same symptoms that you would get from all of the other stresses that I talked about, all of those physical anger, anxiety, high blood pressure, increased pulse, heart palpitations, stomach and gut issues. This one, though, goes even deeper than that. It can lead to violent actions and outbreaks. It can lead to heart attacks. It can lead to strokes. It can lead to cancers. It leads to basically wearing people away over time. I've often talked about, you know, cancer is not a, oh my gosh, how did this happen? Between our poor nutrition that we have in today's world, the unbelievable amount of stress the stress that we place on ourselves, the pressure we place on ourselves, the pressure we put on ourselves due to social media and comparing ourselves to others. Cancer is not, is no longer an accident. It's a result of our lifestyle. And it has a huge, huge, huge amount to do with stress, diet, exercise. And until we put more emphasis on taking care of ourselves and taking care of others and treating each other better, this cancer epidemic, this heart disease problem, like they don't just go away. There isn't a magic pill. There isn't a magic shot. People have got to realize that the way to handle all of their signs and symptoms of stress, pain, obesity, you name it. Diet, exercise, stress reduction. Sleep, diet, stress. Three things, four things. 
that we can do ourselves to help better take care of ourselves. You know, here recently, one of the big topics that has come up is, um, you know, we talk about 30-day challenges and whether it be for diet or exercise, there's weight loss pills, there's weight loss shots, there's detoxes, there's you name it. Until you realize that this is a lifestyle issue, nothing's going to work. And all of those pills and shots and detoxes, they all have side effects. If you're willing to accept the fact that they have side effects and potentially some of those side effects are lifelong side effects that you're going to have to deal with for the rest of your life. If you're willing to accept those, awesome. Let me bring, let me bring some awareness to you. Sarcopenia, age-related muscle loss, correct? If you lose 10% of your muscle per decade, starting at age 35, and your idea of taking care of yourself and losing weight is either a pill, a shot, or a detox, but doesn't involve resistance training and putting on muscle mass, and it doesn't result, and it doesn't involve learning what food is. And I'll explain that in a minute. 10 years from now, your life looks very different. Because if you've lost 10% of your muscle mass and you've done nothing to preserve that muscle mass, you're going to be significantly weaker than you were 10 years ago. And what that starts to look like is, um, I saw a great post the other day that said, a midlife crisis is not buying a new car or getting a new boot or getting new boobs or buying a new house. A true midlife crisis is realizing that it's now harder for you to get off the floor and you struggle to walk up the stairs. That is absolutely a true midlife crisis. Getting off the floor is a simple act until it's not. Eventually, for some people, it becomes a fear. For those of you that have ever met Miss Joyce, Miss Joyce has been a member, has been with me for, oh my gosh, about 13 years now. She started with me when she was 69 years old. She's getting ready to turn 82 in June. When Joyce first walked into the gym, and met me, I asked her what her biggest fear is, and she said falling and not being able to get up off the ground. So where we started with her was getting her up off the ground. She could not sit to a bench at the age of 69 without holding on to my hands. This woman now at the age of two can squat with weight. She can do lunges. She can step up on box. One of her favorite, on a box, one of her favorite movements to do is jumping rope. She loves jump rope deadlifting, sit-ups, kettlebell swings. And when we give her a workout, she constantly looks at us and says, please don't treat me like a baby. <laughs> and 
And everybody that knows her and is listening to this right now, just laugh because you know exactly what I'm talking about. How did a woman go from being 69 years old and not being able to sit to a bench and being scared to get, basically scared to fall to the ground and not be able to get back up to being a woman who looks us in the eye and says, stop treating me like a baby. The way she's done that is 13 years worth of consistently moving and doing resistance training that's appropriate for her so that she can still do all the things that she wants to do at 82 years old. Now, granted, these 13 years have not been smooth. As I talked with the Nadlers, it's not a straight path. It's been a very bumpy road for Joyce. She has had ups and downs of life, just like we all have. And when you've worked with somebody for this long, you go through hardships with them. So there's been a lot of talking and there's been a lot of stress in her life and trying to manage it and helping her understand how that stress affects the things that happen to her and the way she feels and understanding that, you know, she needs in times when this stress becomes really overbearing for her, that talking to somebody is very helpful. Now, does it solve all of her problems? No, but it helps. And that's the best that we can do as human beings. If we're talking about building better humans, we set ourselves up in a way that best gets us to the next step. We do our best to try to solve deeper problems, not just the superficial stuff that just gets us to the next day. Solve, try to solve the deeper things that gets us to the next decade. Try to address things. There are things that might take you a decade to solve. There might be some deep seated, deep down things that you never solve, but you better handle. And that's what going through this human journey is all about. We're all human. We've all messed up. We've all made mistakes. We've all been treated in some sort of way that's unpleasant. We've all dealt with some sort of trauma because nobody's gotten through this thing scotch-free, that's for sure. It's how you handle it. It's how you carry it as to how it comes out in your daily life and how it affects your long-term health. When I spoke with Bina a couple weeks ago, we talked about how a lot of times dealing with things in an unhealthy manner leads to unhealthy relationships with ourselves. It leads to unhealthy conversations with ourselves. It causes us to believe that the only way that we get good workouts or the only way that we feel relevant is by tearing ourselves apart or tearing each other apart. When really the key and the answer to this is building ourselves up. The world does a good enough job on its own of tearing us down. We fight it on a constant daily basis. Flip through social media and after 20 minutes you'll feel just a little bit more torn down than when you started. The key is to surround yourself with people who help to repair it 
and help build you back up, who support you no matter what, who have seen you at your worst in your deepest, darkest times and have helped walk you through it. That's what dealing with stress looks like. That's what being on the road to long-term health looks like. If you're looking to walk into a gym and stick to yourself and work out and just do your thing, great. If that's how you deal with things, know that talking with other people helps. If you are fortunate enough to be able to go to a gym that promotes health and longevity, offers coaching on not only the workout aspects, but the lifestyle aspects as well, take advantage of that. Ask for help. Talk to people about what you have going on. Ask if there's a professional outside of that scope that you can go to for further help. Sometimes we as coaches feel like therapists, but there is, um, there is a limit to our scope <laughs> in that field. And we are more than help, happy to help find further assistance with that. Ignoring the problem doesn't fix the problem. It only shows up down the road as an ugly, further, deeper problem. It can affect, as I mentioned earlier, relationships. It can affect your job. But at the end of the day, it affects your health. And if you're looking to be around for a long period of time and play with your kids, play with your grandkids, nieces and nephews, brothers and sisters, whatever, your health is super important. The other thing you need to think about is your quality of life down the road. Something that's really hard for us as human beings to understand is future because we don't know what it looks like, right? Like I don't know what my future looks like at the age of 53. I don't know. It's 11 years from now. How can I possibly know that? What I do know is that at the age of 53, I know what I don't want it to look like. I don't want it to look like struggling walking up and down the stairs. I don't ever want to get to the point where someone has to help me get out of my car. Barring a really bad accident, I don't ever want to get to the point where I have to rely on other people to do things for me. Once again, I said, barring an unpredictable accident that I cannot foresee, if my life continues in the way that it is currently right now where I can exercise, I'm independent, I would like to keep that independence for the rest of my life. And I understand that in order to do that, I need to be more aware of how I treat myself right now. This stress that I just spoke about, knowing how to handle it better, I'm much better at it at the age of 42 than I was at the age of 32, that's for sure. And I'm way better at it at 42 than I was at 22. In my 20s, this would have been Dealing with the way I dealt with stress was um, drinking a lot of beer, 
was basically just ignoring it. Go out, play golf, put my headphones in, listen to some Dave Matthews, and I just spent a lot of time alone. And then I would go out with friends and drink beer, and then I would go back to spending a lot of time alone. In my 30s, that dealing with stress um, was a little bit more aggressive. Um, I became fed up. I was easily agitated. I was easy to anger. Um, those of you that have seen me throw things, I apologize. <laughs> In my fit of anger, I have a tendency to throw things, markers, cell phones. Um, it's that reactionary thing that just happens. And that's how I handled things in my 30s. Now that I'm in my 40s, it's a little bit different. It looks more like breathing exercises. That whole like counting to 10 thing. It looks like going for long walks. It looks like journaling. It looks like drinking more water and eating fruits and vegetables, having a high protein diet. It looks like intentional weightlifting that helps me to build muscle and protect my joints without leaving me crippled for three days. It looks like cardiovascular training that elevates my heart rate, gives it a chance to recover without driving me so far into the ground that it smashes my immune system and opens me up for a world of being sick. So as you go through life, your stress management changes. Your awareness changes. And hopefully it's changing for the better. Whenever your stress gets to the point of it coming a core belief system for you, Meaning, you're so stressed out and you're so upset and it's so chaotic all the time that you believe that that is how your life should go. My belief system is that I run on this high stress level, high adrenaline, fight or flight all the time. That's my core belief. And if I'm not living like that, I'm bored, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm unhappy. Allow yourself to be bored. It's really hard to do these days because we're so turned on all the time. Turn it off. Sit in the moment and allow yourself to be bored. Health and longevity is a long-term picture. It's not a 30-day challenge. It's not shots. It's not pills. It's a long road. And it's a journey. And it's a day-to-day -day journey that the better, the better prepared you are, the more aware you are, the easier it is to handle all of these problems. The easier it is to address the stress, the easier it is to start asking for help. I know this because I've been there and I've done it.
be more aware. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ferrum Athletic Company podcast. If you like the show, please leave us a review, share it with your family and friends, share it on your social media platforms. Our mission is to build better humans through the education of health and movement. If this resonates with you, please shoot us an email at forged at ferrumathletico.com. Follow us on social media, Facebook or Instagram at Ferrum Athletico, and we will see you all soon. Thank you for helping us to build better humans.